all upset that you can't, like, I can't find it, I can't find it. And we're like, what are you looking for? And I can't remember if you told us right then and there or if you told us, like, the next morning. I guess it could it had to be right then and there because you don't even remember it. I don't, I don't remember it all. But you're like, my Megazord. <laughs> <laughs> my Megazord, I can't find my Megazord. <laughs> yeah, in the fridge. <laughs> and uh, didn't, I, I thought you guys told me I, like, pulled out the milk and I, like, set it down on the table or something. <laughs> you might have. I don't, that, I don't remember that. I don't have to ask mom. She might remember. <laughs> oh, dude, that was awesome. How old was I when that happened? Man, you had to be like five or six or seven, <laughs> or seven at the most. <laughs> what did I look like? Did I look like I was actually awake and aware? Yeah, you did. Your what eyes were open fuck? and stuff. It's not like you – because that's how we didn't know you were sleepwalking because you were like – Dude. You seemed normal, I guess. Was it like early morning or – No, it was late morning? at night. Huh. And you, you were just like at the dining table? Yeah. Probably watching TV or something. Yeah. Dude, that's so weird. That's freaky. And it's kind of disturbing that like I can I can like walk around and shit and like I'm not and even do things. I'm not doing it uh, consciously, you know? Yeah. You're not even aware at all. That's fucking creepy. I think that as far as I know, that's the one and only time I've ever done that. But um, yeah, that's that's fucking trippy. <laughs> I know. Oh, so. Speaking of um, music, since, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about a musical today. Whatever happened to Mr. Morton? Holy shit. <laughs> so from what I heard, he he well, I mean, I know for a fact that he started dating students like as soon as they graduated, because he did with somebody in Nadia's class whose name I won't mention. They dated briefly and then they split up and he did it a couple more times, like dating them when they were, you know, 18 and they graduated already. But like basically as soon as they graduated. That's so weird. He's a he's a cradle robber. Pretty much. And then he moved on to actually dating the students before they graduated and before they were 18. For for those of you who may not know, we're talking about our band teacher, which which is why. Yeah, we, we have a deep connection with Mr. Morton because he was your instructor in middle school for two years. He was my yeah. music instructor for two years in middle school. And then um, all th- well, not not all through high school. Right. Because he came in later. Yeah, because we had Mr. Hamilton and he retired after my sophomore year. And then Mr. Morton came for the last two years. OK, so I only you know, you, that was your freshman year. But yeah, then you didn't stay in band. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that I I might have seen him once. I I don't know how like if he went to jail or if he and if he did how long I'm sure he did how long he went to jail. But at some point when I was working at the restaurant, um, a woman comes in to to pick up a to go order. And And it was actually uh, Mr. Morton dressed up in disguise. No, a man comes (laughs) in with her, but he just waits by the door and he's just standing by the door, just like staring at me. And I was staring at him and I was like is that freaking Mr. Morton? And I never really got like, cause obviously like he seemed to recognize me and obviously I recognized him cause we were just like staring each other down. Yeah. When she, you know, she's at the register paying and picking up her, the food and he's just waiting for her by the door. And I'm, I'm thinking like, it might've been like his sister or something like that. Hmm. But I was like, I think, I think that's him. And that was the that's only crazy. encounter. Yeah. Good times. Good times for sure. Well, I guess with that that music talk, should we jump right in? Yes. Let's do it. I'm excited for this one. <laughs> 
What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Affliction Isles podcast, episode five. My name is Eric, and the other voice occupying your head this time is my one and only sister, Stephanie. Yo. Thanks for joining us. This is a monthly podcast where we mainly talk about films that we think are intriguing, engaging, thought-provoking, alluring, mind-numbingly terrible, or otherwise just entertaining to us. Needless to say, we will be getting to spoilers here, so you have been warned, and we do condone foul language. If you ain't ready, then get ready, because in today's episode, we will be covering Rent. And I know you've all been waiting 525,600 minutes, so let's get into it. (laughs) Good one. So I, I was especially excited for this movie because we just, I don't know, we, we have a history of this movie, but I guess before we get into that, let me just do like a, a, a quick rundown of the movie. So the plot of the movie is uh, the movie follows the lives of several bohemians and their struggles with drugs, sex, poverty and tragedy under the shadows of AIDS in the gritty neighborhood of Alphabet City in the East Village of New York City from 1989 to 1990. And um, this movie came out in 2005, directed by Chris Columbus, not to be confused <laughs> with the Italian explorer Christopher Columbus. Oh, my God. Who's fairly well known. <laughs> and also fairly dead. <laughs> um, so Chris Columbus directed – uh, quite a few well-known movies. I don't know if you if you looked up the the movies he's directed, but he's he has some big hitters under his name. Didn't he do like Batman movies and stuff? No, no, no. That's uh, oh, okay. well, that's uh, quite a few other directors. But um, Joe Schumacher <laughs> is the, him. Joe Schumacher is the the key director of the Batman movies. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, Chris Columbus. He did the first two Home Alones. Oh my god. He did Mrs. Doubtfire. All great movies so far. He did the first two Harry Potters. Oh yeah. I knew and, I heard that name somewhere. And he did the first Percy Jackson movie, so he did nice. he did some big hitters. Yeah. The Broadway musical, uh, it was created by Jonathan Larson based off loosely based off of the eighteen ninety six Italian opera La Boheme. What's what's crazy about this this movie? So the obviously the movie is based off of the hugely successful Broadway musical, right? Um, which came out in nineteen ninety six. The musical was it was still being kind of um, uh, brought to life on stage, and I think uh, it was about to have its its first. Are you talking about the the opening? Yeah, so it was the the preview performance, the first preview performance off Broadway, yeah. January twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six. The first time on stage, and that very morning, mm-hmm. Jonathan Larson succumbed to an issue with his heart and passed away. He died the morning of the morning of first performance. So, so actually, I know. So the funny thing is, like, I. I I kind of always thought that I don't know why I thought this, but for years I thought that he had passed away from AIDS mm. and uh, actually, and I was like, you know what? I don't know if that's right. And so I looked it up and I found out that it wasn't that at all. No, no. Like, yeah. He, I guess he had a aortic dissection in his chest or something. And that's super uh, fun. so that uh, leading up to the, uh, the opening day, 
um, I guess for several days he, he was encountering like chest pains, dizziness, shortness of breath. And he had gone to the doctor to see what's going on and they misdiagnosed it as the flu or possibly stress. And then just sent him <laughs> off. And so uh, I think there were reports that said that if they had actually treated it right then and there, he would have lived. Yeah, so if they had, you know, that's fucking crazy. Um, employed some surgical intervention there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the with the family's consent, they decided to just do the opening uh, performance mm-hmm. sitting down. They just, you know, all sat down and sang the songs and, 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 and put their lines. Right? Yes. But then, um, halfway through they they you know kind of started getting into it and with the family's permission they decided to go through the rest of it as 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 written like you said they were um starting to like feel the groove of the show right and i feel like the show is just it's so full of energy that it's very difficult to just do the whole thing you know they're like singing and everything sitting down just like at a table jonathan's family was there and they they checked with them to see if uh, it would be okay for them to just continue the second half of the show, um, just doing like the full performance. And they ended That's up just cool. like knocking out of the park, I heard. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, critical acclaim and all that. Um, this it, it, this is a rock opera, which means in the play version, you know, the onstage version, everything is sung. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's a single word that's not sung. Yeah, so to true. do all of that sitting down <laughs> must I know, have been right? really hard. Yeah, because they're not they're not just talking the lines, they're singing the lines. Every single one, yeah. There's I mean there's a lot more speaking, just regular speaking in the movie, because it's still a movie. Sure. But in the yeah, in the in the Broadway musical, it's all sung. Yeah, that's that's so crazy just to hear the the backstory for the the play. And you, yeah. you, it, it seems like something that would actually be in a show or a movie, but that that's real life. That's actually what happened. That's how Rent started. And it won all these awards after his death. You know, like mm-hmm. it's kind of unfortunate that he never got to see the success of the show that he yeah. worked so hard on. Yeah. And who would have thought, you know, who would have thought that it would have been such a, a, a huge success, especially because I think didn't he um, – Early on, I think they were they're trying to come up with an idea for the play, and uh, at least I, I thought I heard that people were seemed like disinterested, like they're like, "Nah, I don't, I don't really want to work with you." So um, it, it mm-hmm. kind of got passed I think around so a too. bit. Yeah, I also I looked- actually he it was it was a uh, I guess it was in development, um, and he wanted to put enough autobiographical tidbits into it where he actually the person he was working with he actually asked <laughs> them he's like, "Hey, can I?" Can I make this into my own thing? They kind of split off and he was oh, able to do interesting. that. Yeah, so you know, actually. Like, uh, so which portions uh, were the ones that were actually like based off of his life? So things such as where they lived. So he really did live in a studio like that with like no heat. And they had a they had an illegal wood burning stove or something like that. <laughs> um, and then he did one state a dancer at a club who kept leaving him for various men and eventually left him for a woman. Damn. So that obviously got split off into a couple of characters in Rent. Oh, yeah. that's th- Those are like <laughs> key moments in the movie or yeah, in the story exactly. in general. You know, I wasn't – I had 
uh, no idea about this alphabet city. So I was looking that up and uh, I guess it serves as a, a cultural and ethnic center for Manhattan's German, Polish, Hispanic, and Jewish populations. So I felt like, especially in that, that, uh, um, that, not the opening song, but the, uh, the first song in the actual story, um, you can, you really get a sense of the, the diversity. I feel like it's very evident in that song. You're talking about rent. Yeah. Yeah. The title song, right? Yeah. Yeah. I felt like when it was, it was passing through a lot of the, the minor characters, you, you saw how diverse it was. There's a lot of different yeah. people. I feel like that's, uh, that's New York in general. There's, there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of diversity out there from, you know, I've never been there, but from what I can see from, you know, what pe- my friends that live there and stuff like that. Oh yeah. 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 That's awesome. We should address the the cast as well because um, there's you know there's a, a little a little uh, change from going adapting from the stage play to I the do feature love film. oh I love the cast because they they brought back almost the entire original cast from the Broadway play after what was it nine years mm-hmm. there are two people in particular who didn't make it into the movie for reasons the first is um was it daphne rubin vega who played mimi in the original mm-hmm. your and favorite she did not... i must say <laughs> <laughs> i do love her she didn't make it back because she was pregnant at the time mm. with her one and only child and the woman who played joanne whose name is freddie walker mm-hmm. she thought that she was too old for the part Right. She was already in her like mid fifties by then or something like that. Talking about Freddie, I did watch a clip of the, uh, one of the Broadway performances. So it was the take me or leave me scene with Idina Menzel. Mm-hmm. So they were, you know, they were, uh, performing the scene and I feel like, dude, Freddie fucking killed it on that stage. And, you know, Idina Menzel, she's, she's excellent as well as always. Right. Yeah, like, of course. And um, I felt like watching the play, like watching the the live performance, it, it's better at capturing the uh, like the raw passion, you know, and that's yeah. something it, that just like doesn't quite translate into the movie. And I do think that, um, well, the, the song is a little bit more refined and I think it's it, it was improved in the movie. But the uh, like, yeah, just that energy of doing the live yeah. performance, you know, like that's, that's oh, just, yeah. like, that's what I love about those, the stage plays. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, definitely. But I do, I do like the people that they chose to, to fill those roles for mm-hmm. the movie. Um, I don't think Rosara Dawson has the strongest voice in the world, but mm. I actually do like, no offense to Daphne Rubin, but I like her voice better because Daphne has kind of like this raspy voice quality that I wasn't super fond of. Oh yeah. Personal I, opinion. I feel like I, I thought the, the raspiness was, was thought of as being sexy. It didn't, it didn't uh, quite give that feel. Not for me so much. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did want to ask you though. Well, I guess I'll let me let me just start with this. So you were the one that first introduced me to Rent. Like uh, before you told me about it, I had no idea what the whole Rent was. And mm-hmm. uh, you were explaining to me that it was it was a play and, um, you know, it was, 
it was kind of a big deal, you know, won some awards and like the, the soundtrack was, was freaking awesome. And so I, I heard the songs too, uh, going into the movie, because I know that you dad and I went to go watch it in theaters and you, you guys were like super stoked. You saw the, the previews and everything on TV. And so we all went to go see it together and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm open-minded. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll go. Um, I'm not, I'm not opposed to seeing musicals or anything like that. They're not necessarily my favorite, but, um, yeah, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll, uh, definitely go see a musical. And so we went to go see it and, you know, leading up to that, I did listen to the, the Broadway recordings. I thought the songs are okay. And I think it's not until you actually get to see the performances that complement the songs until you appreciate the songs. Cause right. it's just, just like out of context, I'm like, well, I was like, yeah, you know, the songs are sung well, but I'm not seeing, I'm not really picturing the story. And I think well, the, the nice thing, well, actually the nice thing is because if you listen to the whole Broadway recording mm-hmm. in order from start to finish, you're pretty much listening to the whole play since the entire thing is sung. Is sung, yeah. So I'm getting the dialogue and everything, but um, I'm not I'm not seeing the events unfold, yeah. you know. And so I once we once we saw the movie, I was blown away. I freaking loved it, and I immediately like I went and I started listening to the. Uh, the the, the movie soundtrack and everything. And I, I was starting to like learn the words and whatnot. And, um, it was, it was excellent. I, I that was like one of the movies where as soon as it got released on, on video, I wanted to go pick it up cause I wanted to watch it again. It was great. What, what do you think it was about it that made you like it so much? Because, you know, there are other people who are, you know, down for the occasional musical like my husband, but doesn't mm. like rent. So first off the songs are freaking amazing. So like I said, um, without, without the full context of it, I, I felt like I, I wasn't getting the full experience. So once yeah. I saw the story and the characters and the, the events that were happening, um, I was much more engaged in, in the, the characters and the songs. And, um, you know, me, I, I love a good, uh, dramatic story, tragic story and everything. So yeah, that, that definitely catered to my interests. And I, I, I loved just like how, how grounded and and kind of gritty the story was it also kind of educates you on on just the 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 fact that you know there there are these parts of these uh, huge cities where people are just struggling every single day and you know that it's the whole stereotype where you got you got artists all over the place but like you know there's there's like an overabundance of artists but there aren't enough um jobs to, to be able to provide these artists. So a lot of them are just struggling, you know, they, there isn't really work out there for them. It's funny because, um, at one point when they were doing, uh, love you, Bohem, um, you know, they're in this restaurant, just like totally taking over and jumping all over the furniture and and pushing things around and Mm -hmm. like harassing other customers and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I get it because in this context, you're supposed to be on their side they're the ones who are struggling and they're trying to express themselves and uh, you know, they never, they never really get a chance to, but I was thinking like, man, if I was like anybody else in that restaurant, I would have been so annoyed. Like, look at these stupid kids jumping all over everything and being disrespectful and stuff. So I, does that make me old? I interpreted it differently. So I didn't think they were harassing the other people. I think the only people they were annoying was the staff because they blatantly told them before they walked in, they're like, 
we we don't want your your rowdiness in here you guys always like move shit around and and stand on the tables and whatnot and like exactly and talk all out or whatever and uh so they do it but i felt like it, everyone in that restaurant was kind of in on it like they're all just oh, yeah, it, it was it was inviting like they're just like yeah you know let's all just have fun together and, i know but like say i was thinking like because they all know each other and stuff that's one thing but like say yeah. you know you as you are now happen to walk into that restaurant and get a table and you're just trying to enjoy your meal with your wife or something like that mm-hmm. and then they all come in and start doing that crap so you would you not you, be a little annoyed you would be kind of like on benny's side like how he's like we're trying to have this meeting here and you guys are just fucking being all rowdy <laughs> a little bit i think <laughs> unless i was part of it if i was part of it i'd be totally in but if i was just like some some you know some other bystander some innocent mm-hmm. bystander or whatever i could see that I'd be yeah. like man they are just being disruptive and loud and and yeah, I'd probably want to be a part of it. <laughs> that, that does make you sound a little old. Old, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm turning into one of them. No. Because back then you would have been like, you know, fuck it. I'll join in. Let's go. Seriously. <laughs> well, Uh-oh. one of my fond memories of this movie, too, was the fact that it was around the time that you were in college. So we would going to and from the OC, we would freaking sing the whole soundtrack. That, yeah, we're like blasting great. it in the car and and frankly it was it was just a lot of fun you know singing those and we'd songs always, we'd always sing the different parts together <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's still to this day i i noticed i only sing like certain parts of the song and I, and because i don't know the, the other half of it so i'm just like uh, <laughs> that was my like, kind of like humming along that's hilarious it's it's not unlike my tuba days where um, you know, trumpet would typically have like the the cool part of a song, and then the tuba main melody. Boom, 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 <laughs> and that's like all tuba is. So by the tuba portion by itself just sounds stupid without yeah. the rest of the band. Pretty much. But what was your favorite song, or do you have any favorite songs? Um, I think one of my favorite songs. Dang, it's hard because I have a few. What's the one after? After Mimi's song. Uh, which which Mimi song? <laughs> the one when she comes out of the Catch Scratch Club or? Yeah. Oh, uh, so that one was, I think, out tonight. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another Day. I like Another Day a lot. And I also like One Song Glory. So basically anything that was Rogers. <laughs> oh, really? So w- would you feel like he was your one of your favorite characters? Not necessarily, but I liked his songs the best. Mm, okay. Like you I like think. that style the best, huh? Because he, he had more so, like yeah, the, the rock, kinda, the rock exactly, songs. and that's kind of always been my style anyway. Hmm. And okay, then I okay. liked his song "Your Eyes," so yeah, pretty much. I feel like his songs were mostly my favorites. You know, that's with funny. most of these songs, you can't really go wrong with them. Of course, you know, I love "Seasons of Love," the opening of number, the classic. Which is actually, it's not the opening number in the play. Oh, it's not. Just so you know. No, it's oh, not. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Just in the movie. In the play, it's the first song after the intermission. Oh, interesting. That's right. I think we went to go see Rent. I, I did notice that. Yeah. Dang, I think that's, that's the awesome. only change they really made, though, order-wise. It was cool, too. I, I did like the, the opening scene in the movie because it they were on stage you know with like the the spotlights mm-hmm. coming down and they were looking out into the uh the seats and everything and so it it wanted to let you know that it was based off of the play you know it wasn't trying to mm-hmm. like um 
pretend otherwise. And I thought that was like a cool like nod to the the source material. Yeah. And then of course, yeah, you know, one song glory. It's my shit. Even though it's a it's yeah. a pretty short song. I do I, love that song. I liked it because, you know, it gives backstory to Roger's character. Yeah. Um, Tango Maureen. That's a that's just a fun song, I feel like. Because they, they don't like each other and they're like forced to like interact, you know, and I you kind of get that like uneasiness between them in that song. I know, and the one thing that's uh, bringing them together is screwing them both over, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah. And she might possibly be screwing someone else. I don't know. It's always in exactly. the back of their mind. Um, I'll Cover You. I really like that song because that's like oh, yeah. when uh, Angel and Collins kind of – I think that's when they, they actually fall in love, right? Was yeah. Like that song. Oh, that was when they kind of declare – Oh, that they're, they're, they're together. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Take Me or Leave Me. Love that that's song. I that's I like to, right after the wedding, right, or at the reception. No, it's a the no, it's the the engagement party. Oh, is that what it is? And, okay. And by the end of the song, they're broken up. <laughs> it's it's such an awesome song because I feel like they were two of the strongest singers in the, oh, the whole yeah. cast, and they just killed it. They Love sure that song. did. I know it's funny. Uh, you remember? I don't know if you remember uh, Dulce, her singing voice, mm-hmm. my friend from from college yeah um you know she has a she has a super strong voice too i always i would always joke that she was like the next morning i carry but her and i <laughs> used to sing that song together all the time nice of course i was i wasn't as good as her obviously but so yeah, who would sing whose part um i think i think i might have actually sang maureen's part hmm. until it got to the harmonizing part because um i couldn't sing that high and so we would switch <laughs> Also, another song that uh, I, I thought was just excellently done was "I'll Cover You," the the reprise at the funeral. Oh man, heartbreaking! I cry every man. time. Yeah, it definitely uh, it it starts up the waterworks for sure because it, it's no just, and- that's such a such an awesome performance by him. Yeah, and then I I mean even I was watching the movie right the other day and um, I was at work, so we're totally working. Um, you're, no, I'm at watching work, this movie. you're at work just bawling <laughs> <laughs> pretty much i was like okay like i know this is coming like hold it together like i had a a partner that day so i wasn't alone okay and so i'm like all right like hold it together like i can't cry in front of other people and you know i'm trying to also work at the same time like while watching this movie and right right the funeral scene starts and i'm like okay i'm doing okay i'm doing okay i'm doing okay and then colin starts singing and i'm like okay this isn't working and then, you know, he starts getting really into it. And I'm like, all right, now I'm crying. Oh, and then when Joanne, damn. when like everybody stands up and starts joining in. Yeah, because when, oh, when they man. when they join in and stand up, he he's like kind of cough guard. And that's when he turns around to face him. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's when they see that he's he's crying himself. Because at first I think and, he's uh, just he just has his head down and he's looking at the casket. Yeah. And then by then I was just like, all right, this is happening. <laughs> just let it happen. Yeah. And I'm going to try not to sniff and. <laughs> every time it gets me every time i don't know why i thought i couldn't handle myself it's a powerful performance that's why <laughs> it is but yeah also i think you can't go wrong with another day that song is is just it, it's so powerful you know and has so much oh, energy yeah. behind it i love that also, song like too. the fact that it incorporates like all the main characters pretty much yeah and isn't that the one that's right before the the intermission? That's that's their most climactic song. No, La, La Vie Bohème is before the intermission. Oh, it is. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was that's just a great song for sure. I think it might Fun be tidbit. one of my favorites. Yeah, I love that song too. Fun tidbit. Um, you know, Adina Menzel was um, married to Tay Diggs, who plays oh, Benny. Uh huh. So they so they met on Rent, and they were married for quite a while and had some kids. Hmm. And in 2013, I believe they announced their split. And in 2015, Adina Menzel revealed that she was <laughs> dating um, Aaron Lore, I believe his name is, who, mm. fun fact, was also in the Newsies. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he, Aaron Lore, musical family. Was, was also in Rent the Movie. Really? That's who? Yeah, in the, you know, in, at, the, at Life Support, in the support group circle. Uh-huh. He was the guy immediately to the right of like the guy leading the group. To the right. Yeah, he huh. he he. You know that that round song that they that they do. So uh, it's not the one that Mark uh, first goes to, right? No, it's the second one. The second one, okay. Yeah, and, the, and the you know they're I like disappearing one, but yeah, 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 that one. Okay. And he starts that song. Oh, so that's who she got with. So so Dina Menzel ended up marrying this guy, but you know she. Her and Tay Diggs didn't even split till 2013, and the movie was from t- 2005. So I can't help but wonder if there was any sort of connection during the filming. Hmm. You feel like Drama. there was there was some uh, something going on in the background. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe planting those seeds. And actually, I was watching some. I was watching her. I was watching her carpool karaoke. I don't know if you know that there was another live action Cinderella with like Camila Cab- what's her face? <clears throat> Cabello. Uh, Cab- yeah, that girl. Mm-hmm. And uh and Adina Menzel and um Oh, I didn't know Adina was in it. Yeah, apparently. And those two and Billy Porter and obviously um Oh my gosh, why am I blinking right now? The guy who does the the carpool karaoke. <laughs> James um, Corden or something like that, right? Corden, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um so the, all of them are in the car together, and you know, uh, Camila, what's her face? She's dating Sean Mendez, mm. um, and Adina was asking her, like, "Do you run lines with him?" And she's like, "Yeah, we run lines." And then she's like, "Does he get all judgy?" And he's like, "No, you know, he's he's totally you know supported a you know whatever role she's playing or whatever." Okay. And Adina was always like, "You know, because my ex husband used to get judgy." And I was like, oh. she's talking about Tay Diggs. That's a dig at the digs. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dang. Which is oh, weird, man. too, because I wouldn't ever really say that Tay Diggs was the, the strongest actor in anything I've seen him in. So he was the one that's like being super judgy, huh? Possibly. Right? Allegedly. And like, obviously, she... She is immensely successful. Like, what what place does he have to judge anything? Oh, dude. She, I mean, as as Alphaba, right? In Wicked, she freaking killed right. it. So, so when, things, when did they get married? 2017? Oh, yeah. Not too long ago. Nice. Yeah. Because, I mean, based off of, like, this movie, when apparently they were, like, they first met, right? And this came out in 2005, so. Yeah. And they didn't start dating until 2015, so, like, 12 years later. No. Right. Yeah, ten years later. Well, um, yeah, because she had the long relationship with Tay Diggs, so yeah, that makes sense. And they had a split and stuff first. You know what I, I found interesting about the movie too was that they use the word "rent" in a couple different ways. So obviously, you know, it's it's 
the the movie's called Rent, and it's in you know it's in relation to the struggles that they have being able to pay their rent for the loft, right? But I mm-hmm. think in a more symbolic way, they reference it throughout the the movie. So in in the song "I'll Cover You," I noticed Colin says, "I think they meant it when they said you can't buy love. Now I know you can rent it." And you lease you are my love. Yeah. And then they they mention it again in what you own towards the end of the movie, uh, where Mark says, "I escape and ape." What is it, Mark? No, or is it, I think it's Roger says it. I escape and ape content. I don't own emotion. I rent. Yeah. So I was I was kind of uh, wondering, like, huh? If they it's a whole if, metaphor. If they intended on, the, the word rent to, to have a deeper meaning. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the whole fickleness of life and all that. Yeah, I definitely think um, it has something to do with like how volatile their lifestyles are. And to them, everything is very much temporary, you know, like yeah. whether they're happy for a minute or a year, uh, it always comes to an end sooner rather than later. Um, could also be in relation to maybe like how some of them have HIV, right? And how mm-hmm. back then that was thought of as pretty much a death sentence. Yeah, which is super sad. But, yeah, you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that it's not like that now. Yeah, definitely. Um, it makes me think about, you know, our current issues with COVID and stuff like that. Like if there will you know, ever be a, a time where because, you know, HIV basically isn't a death sentence at all anymore if you have the access to the right medication mm. uh, and you don't even spread it. You know, you don't pass it. You don't you can't spread it or pass it on to your, your unborn child or anything like that anymore. If you have access to the right stuff, which I hope one day everybody can. And it makes me think like, oh, I hope we can get to a point where, you know, we can not spread COVID like that. And it's not a death sentence for some people. And yeah, that's true. Because back then I was I was super young and I didn't even really pick up on the fact that some the characters were taking medication. So they were taking AZT, mm-hmm. which is the the acid othidamine. <laughs> and um, I guess it was introduced in 1987 and was uh, pretty much the first treatment method for HIV. So that was, that was news to me. I had no idea uh, what AZT was or what it was used for. And, and they mentioned it in the movie, you know, the, the AZT break that yeah, exactly. uh, Mimi says, and it was pretty cool reading up on it. You know, it, it pretty much reverses HIV's actions in the body. Like it, it, you know, That's HIV cool. tries to, to make, or it, it copies the DNA um, and so that's it kind of like spreads throughout the body, right? Attaching to yeah. DNA and ACT kind of terminates the the HIVs forming these DNA chains and essentially stifling it from affecting the immune system. That's good. Um, oh, you know, I was watching Rent the other day and yeah. uh, Brenda was watching it with me. And I just crack up on the scene every single time. But <laughs> when uh, after the rent song, when Mark invites Roger out and he's like, zoom in on my empty wallet. I <laughs> I just crack up on that scene every single time. This <laughs> is like such a fucking asshole thing to say. But like just know, the way right? he says it is hilarious. I feel like it translated better in song form. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just telling Brenda, I was like, I'm just going to start saying that just for everything now. <laughs> so what do you think we should get tonight? Let's get some pizza. Zoom in on my empty wallet. <laughs> also, it's like, who the fuck says that? 
Like he, well, he's of, a filmmaker because Mark's a filmmaker. <laughs> he was just he, he had to be an, an extra asshole by like yeah. <laughs> applying it to Mark's interest. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pretty much. And he didn't even look at him when he said it too. He was just kind of like glancing down his guitar, like trying to come up yeah, with was, the, the He was the pretty dang bitter. He was yeah. he was pretty dang bitter, obvious for obvious reasons. You know, then again they're broke, so maybe he's just in a perpetual like hangry state that's true too you, you can't blame him for that and if not then he's he's just fucking freezing his ass off the entire you time you have to so. have a literal trash can fire inside of your apartment <laughs> you know that's saying something you know they did a good job of making new york feel cold and miserable i must say right in no part in the movie did i say like you know it's kind of nice over there <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe there's just this dark cloud over Alphabet City. I know. <laughs> just that well, portion I mean, of New York. On the bright side, you might catch Spike Lee shooting down the street. Bah humbug. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what I was wondering too? And I think we we actually discussed this in the past. So why did Roger and Mark not wonder where the hell Collins went after tossing down the keys? <laughs> At some point they do remember because Mark's like, I mean, like it took a while, next, but Mark's the like. The next day, but like they. No, not even. Because he, at some point in the evening, Mark's like, oh, I'm going to go look for Collins. You want to come? And then maybe we can catch dinner afterwards. And that was when he was like zooming on my empty wallet. I felt like they should, there should have been more of a concern. Like I'd been like, bro, like we tossed the keys like down. Two, you know? two minutes after he didn't show up, I would have been like, where the hell is he? But what they the waited a few on? hours before they showed any concern. True. And now now their keys yeah. are missing. So now anyone is just going to have access to their loft. And why didn't Collins <laughs> at least like call him or something? Because it's not like payphones didn't exist. He well, had their number. He, I mean, he, he called that. No, he didn't. He should he didn't call collect. <laughs> Seriously. Because, <laughs> you know, he wasn't as they, paying as for, it. They could pay he, for it. He probably didn't have any quarters on him to be able to call anyone. And also, can we find this ATM that he hotwired and go get some cash? Oh, damn. That's true. <laughs> that's how he just always steals cash. Yeah, that's how they have the, their cash flow. You so know, at least they had a, you know, a bright and positive ending to the movie slash play, even though, you know, there is, some of their deaths were pretty imminent. Yeah, that's true. At that time, you know, HIV was still pretty much a death sentence. Right, right, exactly. And I wonder if AZT was also very difficult to get at that time because it was it was like brand new. And I wonder if they weren't prescribing it to everyone or yeah, that maybe, or maybe you took it too long, then it stopped working or it hurts you in some other way, some side effect that. Also, what I was thinking was maybe there was just so many people trying to get it that um, there just wasn't enough for everyone. Yeah. You know, there's a shortage of it or something. Um, uh, another thing too, Brenda and I have been watching this show called Pose recently, and I think it just had its uh, third and final season this year. I think it just I've wrapped been up. interested in that one. Uh, it's it's pretty damn good. It's a it's a drama focusing on like the the gay and trans uh, people, their struggles yeah. and and experiences during the the late eighties. Isn't Angelica 90s. Ross in that one? Is she in that um, one? Angelica Ross. I like her. <laughs> I'm not sure if I I'm, I'm picturing who that is. I believe Billy so. Porter definitely is, and yeah, I love Billy yeah. Porter too. And Angelica Ross, okay. yeah, definitely in. I, I don't know uh, how you know Angelica Ross, but this is the first time I had I'd ever seen. Angelica Ross is also in American Horror Story 1984, which is where I got my first exposure to her. But oh, really? she also happens to be extremely. Buddhist. No shit, really. Yep. 
So, very much. Very, so, like, very much. have you have you ever like met her or anything? No, but I have seen like she gave uh, a, an experience at some big meeting that I you know Zoom attended, and okay. I was like, I know her. <laughs> That's trippy. Holy shit! Yeah, she she, she has gave- a, a pretty big role. Actually, we just saw an episode where she was she was like the focal point of that episode. So that's, that's trippy. Awesome. Yeah, she- yeah, I think she's gorgeous, and I never would have guessed that she was trans no. before I heard her. Before I actually heard her experience, yeah. So and she talked about her whole, you know, she talked about her whole experience, like coming out as trans and going through her transition and stuff like that, that's and crazy. her parents not being accepting of it, and you know, stuff like that, and, right, right. and how she overcame it. And- Brenda said the same thing. She was like, "Are you sure that this person's even trans? Like, is?" Or is she like an actual woman because, or like, was she born a woman? Because um, she couldn't tell either, you know, like usually on the people on the show, she can kind of tell like we're, we're born a certain gender and then uh, transition later. But with, with her, she was like, I think that's an actual woman. (laughs) But I think she's always been a a little bit uh, delicate, I guess, you know, even when she was a boy. On pose, they, that's like the biggest compliment that it seems like, they they receive is like oh really what what they refer to it as is called like passing like you can pass and that means Uh like people can't tell that you transitioned so that's like that's like a huge compliment and yeah it's uh it's pretty interesting because it's like they have these the show's kind of bookend with either like it's like starts with there or like ends with it with each episode but they have these high energy fashion and like art competitions where um, it, it like represents the the drag ball culture and like the Vogue scene mm-hmm. of the time, and that's I think where the the title comes from, Pose, because you know yeah. they're like doing these like um, fashion competitions and stuff, and they're like dancing and posing and whatnot. And the reason why I brought that up was because the main character, uh, whose whose name is Blanca Evangelista, played by MJ Rodriguez, I felt like when I saw her, I was like, dude, she because she sings in the show as well. And I was like, she would be a perfect angel in Rent. And when I looked it up, she actually played Angel (laughs) in Rent at some point. No way. And I was like, that's fucking trippy. Holy shit. That's nuts. Yeah, she she doesn't look too far off from Angel in the movie. Yeah. And um, so I was like, and and she sings. So I'm like, you know, like the fact that she kind of looks similar and she she can sing, I feel like she would be a, a perfect angel. And she actually was. So that's that's interesting because that kind of me out. Uh, speaking of speaking of Angel, after Angel dies um, in the movie, mm-hmm. and they're all they're all uh, given their their little speeches. Mark starts off calling her him, mm. and corrects himself at some point and starts calling her she. It takes him a little bit, but it's nice to see them, you know, accepting uh, her preferred pronouns, which is actually a huge thing nowadays and wasn't back then. You know? So. There, I was a little confused about that because Collins r- does refer to Angel as he. So, and I even brought that up with Brenda. I was like, I don't know whether to call, like, refer to Angel as she or he. And I does think, he really? the, I think the reason why they were they they still call Angel he is because maybe maybe he doesn't want to transition. Like, maybe he does identify. Uh, as a well, as a guy, at some I mean, because at some point he, you know, he he calls her girl. Like he's like, yeah, girl, or that's my girl, or whatever, mm, you know. Or seeing so girl. He did all I these three. Yeah, exactly. 
he obviously refers to her as a female at some point, and then everybody mm-hmm. else calls her she, and even Mark starts with he and then corrects himself. And so true, I feel like true. maybe... So do you think it's it's like certain stages? So maybe when when Angel is dressing up as a female, like he, he wants to be referred to as a she, but otherwise uh, refer to, to Angel as a boy? That's a good question. Because I, mean, I, I, was th- I even uh, specifically paid close attention to the funeral to see, uh-huh. just to confirm. And yeah. Collins does say he in, huh. at the funeral. So, and obviously like the picture and everything is, uh, Angel's not in drag or anything. It's just yeah. like a straight, straight up shot. Um, because even when Angel goes to those meetings, those HIV he, AIDS meetings, he takes the, yeah. the stuff off. And yeah. so I think he wants to just be like straight up and he wants to be real. Like, this is who I am. You know, I'm not. It's interesting. I'm not like putting yeah, on a, a show or anything. Hard. I don't know what the like the scene was back then. But um, I feel like if it was nowadays, you know, people are, are tending to or even being pressured to pick a set of pronouns and stick with it. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then again, there might be people that as I was describing, identify as one gender, maybe sometimes. And then, you know, they're, they're fluid, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind yeah, of yeah. bounce back and forth. And yeah. Nowadays I feel like when at that point they'll choose like the, they, them pronouns. Yeah. I could see that. Maybe not so much back then. Maybe angel would have been a, they, them today. <laughs> yeah, true. Maybe. Yeah. So, you know how you were saying, and I was, I was joking that the, the, the person that played Mimi in the stage play was your your favorite <laughs> representation of Mimi, and um, to kind of echo your your sentiments about that, Brenda was also saying like when we were watching the movie, she's like, man, like she just didn't like the Mimi character in general. I don't know if she, she necessarily said she didn't like Rosario Dawson, but she just said like she thought Mimi's character was kind of annoying. I, I want to get your that. thoughts on that. She she is very young. And uh, I feel like she thinks she knows what's going on in life, even though she has no idea what's going on yet. She's only 19 mm. and she's like, I'm old for my age. And, you know, stuff that like people and, that age always and say born to be bad and born to be bad. And she, <laughs> you know, sometimes she likes to feel good. So and blah, and blah, the blah. Thing is she, she just like barges in, you know, when and like she's Roger's always assertive. in kind of a, like a depressive state, you know, and then she's just like coming in like all bouncing around, you know, with this bubbly personality. And I think it, it's kind of annoying to him sometimes. Oh yeah. I think so too. Cause he's, I mean, he's a little bit older, I think, and she's supposed to be super young and whatnot, but on one hand, yeah, I, f- I feel like that would have been very annoying, but once he f- di- finally does give in to her, he kind of breaks out of that mm. depression. And so maybe I, it's exactly yeah, what he needed. True. I think she, she kind of like, brings out the old Roger, you know? Yeah. And then even everybody else was like, she could be good for you, man. Go on this date. Hmm. Invite her to the protest. Yeah. No one's judging. Don't right? throw this away. Yeah. So they, they all obviously liked her, even if uh, she didn't give the best first impression. <laughs> yeah. Which was the light my candle song. And I was, I was actually wondering because Brenda was like, what is this? What is she talking about? Is the, the candle like a metaphor? And I think we ultimately came to the conclusion that I think light my candle is, is a euphemism for sex. Because, mm, I mean, she, she's pretty promiscuous, you know? And I think she when, she when she sees something she likes, she goes for it. Yeah. And she obviously did. As soon as she noticed him, she was like, well, I'm going to take my candle up there and my candle. 
<laughs> See if uh, he can light my candle, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and of course, you know, we got to bring up the uh, that that song and and the fact that like it kind of there's like a slight difference to the the movie. So there's the do you go to the cat scratch club? That's where I work. I dance. Help me look. And we always see we always say that help me look part because it's it's left out of the movie, but it's that part is prominently in the play. And I just feel like it's it's funny that like we both sing that part because it's a it's a nod, right? It's like a throwback to the the stage play. Yeah. But the way she says it is like kind of obnoxious too, because she's like, help me look. <laughs> I didn't even remember that that was left out because obviously she's looking for her drugs by then. Yeah, she's because um, he he's. Roger's still trying to like wrap his mind around like, where have I seen you? You look super familiar. And yeah. so that's when she, she reveals, she's like, yeah, do you go to cat scratch club? That's where I work. I dance. And then, um, I think she just continues like looking around the, yeah. the, the loft, yeah. but, like in the play, she, that's when she does that. Help me look. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny that like, we always, we always sing that part. We like, we that's even, true. it's not, they <laughs> obviously thought that, you know, it was unnecessary, but Nah, I wonder we're bring, why. We're it back. Yeah, we are. I can't even imagine like how tough it would be to try to adapt a, an entire stage play into a feature film because, you know, like how you're saying, they they turned a lot of songs into just speaking parts, and yeah, and I, I that they cut off like half of the songs, you know, because there's just yeah. the play is so long, and you're trying to fit that into less than two hours. You know what? You know what else that they always cut out? They always they cut out all of the parts, pretty much. That showed exactly how impoverished the uh, the the area was. You know, mm. all the parts where just all the homeless people are singing about Christmas and stuff like that. That's true. Yeah, they. I mean, because you have to cut fat out of somewhere, and I think they yeah. they try to just focus on the the core main characters as much as yeah. possible where they could. Obviously, with like the when they go to the the. Um, like the HIV AIDS groups, uh, those are like extras or whatever, but, or like small supporting characters. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, well, except for one of them ended up playing the main character in Idina Menzel's life, huh? Right. Yeah, but it's interesting because, like, you know, they have homeless people roaming around the entire movie, but they took out all the homeless people singing parts. Yeah. And on top of that, they had to kind of do a lot of songs back to back just to be able to fit them. Yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of evident to us, um, especially because, you know, we've heard the the stage play and everything. But, you know, at the same time, I get it. They're, they're short on time and they're trying to, you know, these songs are, are vital to the story and they, they well, have you know, to it's still not as much as, It's still not as much as the play where literally every single song is back to back. Yeah, exactly. But it, I felt like some of them didn't have the smooth transitions. Like the out tonight yeah. goes right into, literally right into another day. Yeah, thinking about it right now. But anyway, Tumbleweeds, Prairie, Prairie Dogs. dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I freaking love that subway scene only because it's so fun to watch Collins just like do flips and shit. <laughs> He's like pole dancing and and just like fucking doing like acrobatics in the the subway. And everyone's just like kicking back watching him. Yeah, with no one's with like, how, hey, what are you? Doing? With how obnoxious, like you're saying, they were they were in that 
that diner or that cafe. How how do you think people felt in the subway where you just got like this random ass dude, this big ass dude on top of that fucking <laughs> holding doing onto the handles, everywhere. like doing slow mo flips and shit, <laughs> <laughs> and swinging around, and he's like almost kicking you in the face. I know. I would have been like, well, I guess this is a New York subway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, another thing that I thought was kind of frustrating with um, the adaption to of the play to the movie is that they cut out the backstory, you know, and I felt like some of the stuff I was a little confused with, with was uh, Roger's ex-girlfriend, April. Mm-hmm. I felt like you didn't really get uh, a lot of information about what happened to April. And I was, I was actually reading that they were going to draw out a scene where, you know how in the, in the movie they do a, like a quick montage of like mm-hmm. their, their relationships. Their so she, relationship, she, see, yeah. she sees them at, you know, in the band performing, he, they kind of, their eyes connect and they start talking afterwards and they start dating shortly after. And then I, I think it's implied that April gets him into drugs or. I think so. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, they both get AIDS that way. So they, yeah, she gets, she tested. Died. she gets tested And she's confirmed that she has AIDS, but I think it's also implied, which see, I think this is kind of, it's left uncertain because they had, they didn't really have a lot of time to be able to dive deeper into it. But I think it's implied that she gave him AIDS through like the drugs, like he started partaking in the same drugs. Mm. They shared the needles and so they end up getting, um, or he ended up getting HIV through her. Yeah, that's what it seems like. But I was reading that in the original draft for the movie, Roger actually finds April in their bathtub after slitting her wrist. So she commits suicide that way. So it's like they actually show the exact method of suicide. And then she left a suicide note that revealed to Roger that they both have HIV. And That's right. I think that's actually in the play, isn't it? Is it? I so feel like that's actually I don't, play. I don't quite remember, familiar. but um, I know that that story was was reworked for the film because the director felt that that scene was just too damn morbid. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. That now that you mention it, and that's kind of a fucked up familiar. way to reveal it to someone, you know? Right? Like, damn, you you take your life, and then you're just like, oh yeah, by the way, you have AIDS too. So good luck. Right. Bye. That's fucked up. That is. No wonder Roger's so de- fucking depressed all the time. Jeez, he went through some <laughs> shit. First, his his girlfriend dying, and then like him finding out he has AIDS. I know, and then he, when, he when Mimi was dying, you know, at the end of the movie when Mimi's dying. Yeah, I bet he. I was just thinking, I bet he's like, not again. <laughs> like if she really did die, he would never open his heart back up again. <laughs> so I don't know if you if you noticed it too, but after La Vie Bohème. Um, you know, they have their their moment out in the, the back alley because he kind of walks off and she's like, bro, like, what the fuck? You invite me to come hang out and then you don't hang out. And so she's like, she's like kind of confront him in the, the alley. And that's when I think he he kind of, you know, he, he's trying to come out of his shell, but he's having some trouble. And that's when she reveals she has to take the AZT break. Right. And that's, that just fucking crushes him. Cause he's, I think at the same time, he doesn't want to pursue anything. Cause he's like, you know, listen, I got HIV and you know, you, yeah. you should, you should kind of stay away from me as far as, as far as possible. But like, then she reveals she, she also has HIV 
And so that's when I think he kind of gets heartbroken at the, but at the same time, I think that's what allows him to be able to get close to her because he's just like, fuck, not you too. They Damn, have the I'm same sorry. Baggage. Yeah. And he, and he was like, man, I've, I had no idea. And she's just like, see, like, you know, like life's too short to, to be able to be sad all the time. You're like, you gotta like have fun and, and enjoy life while you can. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. She's kicking me out of her room. <laughs> oh, is it time for bed? Say hi, uncle. I hear you. Oh, there you are. I was like, I don't see you, but I hear you. Say hi, uncle. Look. And a look. She's like, the screen's too bright. <laughs> hi. 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 Can you see me? <laughs> she can see you. She can't hear you, though. Uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, was Benny supposed to be married in the story? I know. I was thinking that too because at some point, oh baby, um, yeah, he's supposed to be uh, married to what's her face, Allison or whatever. I think I thought, yeah, and that was how he true. ended up, you know, owning the the land or whatever that um, they lived in. They lived on, but in uh, the but second then, half of the movie, he's like Mimi's shadow. He like won't leave her alone. I know, and then and then he, you know, Roger even says like, "Oh, you're you're with this yuppie scum or whatever," and and then later, you know, Mimi's like, "Oh, Benny wasn't, you know, a, a thing or or and whatnot," but it seems like they were a thing. I assume like I think they're implying that they like kind of got back together because Mimi was saying that she had been with Benny before she she met Roger. Yeah. So what was up with Benny's wife? I don't, I don't, that's a good and, question because so I was wondering the same thing. That now it makes more sense if that's the case. It makes more sense why Roger went to Santa Fe because he was just he was just disgusted with like yeah, the fact seriously. that he already felt betrayed by Benny, right? Um, and then he was like betrayed and abandoned because they were like bros with Mark, and then Benny like sold out. And then stole his girlfriend on top of right. that, like, years later. That's freaking trippy. Dude, I'd be pissed, too. Benny's the worst. And also, something that didn't make sense was Roger sold his guitar, then bought a decent a decent car, I might say, that made it all the way from New York to Santa Fe, then sold the car to get an even better guitar than he had before. How the hell does that even happen? I have no idea. And then he got the, I guess maybe maybe they're cheaper in Santa Fe. And then he kept the guitar and just got a bus ticket home. Exactly. So he had enough money after selling that, that car. So something tells me he should have just sold that guitar from the very beginning. Seriously. He just had like a basic acoustic guitar, I thought, at the beginning. Yeah, and then he didn't – He obviously he only – he didn't have – didn't make that much money from the guitar. <laughs> Not in New York, anyway. Yeah, and bought a nice electric guitar. It's the cost of living. I think his uh, him being broke in New York made him middle class in Santa Fe. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I also thought that uh, it was it was nice that you know this this perfect song that Roger was always trying to work on ended up being 
Mimi, like Mimi was was like the the quote unquote perfect song for Roger, right? I know. I thought that was so sweet. And then like the chords that he keeps playing, that was like the song that was dedicated to Mimi when she almost dies. Yeah. Oh. I liked it. Nice way to to kind of like finalize and solidify their the relationship. At the I wonder if he was yeah. I wonder if he was more in love with Mimi than he was with April. I think he he was just in love with that song. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I think I think in time he might he might love April more. I think it. You mean Mimi more or Mimi? So I think he just needed to uh, have someone help him get over April. Yeah. Otherwise, she was just gonna be that that like skeleton in the closet or that that oh, yeah. like that ghost that ghost that, that, that like it, it just keeps haunting him. Yeah. But yeah, overall though, I I enjoyed the finale of the movie. You know, with it ending with uh, Mark's documentary, the completed documentary. Yeah, if you can call that a documentary. It was just a montage. I mean, I, I, know. Can, I can make just a, a montage of his documentary. <laughs> Yeah. I'm hoping that the actual documentary was actually a documentary. Maybe that was just the intro to the documentary. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But you know, they that it speeded up for time constraints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nice though. Um I, I thought it was in like the that like medley uh finale song that they did where it was like kind of like a fusion of like a couple of the other songs earlier yeah, in the movie. That was... I thought that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, I love that too. I'm always a big fan. I think they did that with a couple other songs too, where they they kind of like combined a, a couple of the songs together. Yeah, that's part um, of what makes it so good. Did you hear about a, a possible alternate ending? Which I'm not even sure if it's like an alternate ending. It's more of like a an epilogue of sorts. No. So apparently, in the original uh, story. Um, I think the director was going to have the cast members shown on stage again, similar to the intro, mm-hmm. except Angel Spot was going to be missing in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be all of them lined up singing Seasons of Love again, but without Angel. And I think halfway through the song, Angel was supposed to walk out and then join the cast members to finish the song. I think that happens in the play, doesn't it? I think so, but... Um, so yeah, that does align with the stage play, but I guess the director left it out because he, he felt like the audience members would get confused and they're oh, like, right. so, so you mean out of the movie. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm like, that's in the play. Yeah, exactly. So Chris Columbus was like, you know what? I guess we'll, we'll just go ahead and leave it out because, um, that otherwise he was saying like, people might think that, wait, did Angel really die or what? But it's like, yeah. obviously this isn't part of like the actual like movie movie you know yeah well i think i i could see how it would be confusing but like in the play it makes sense because at the end of any play all of the characters come out and exactly exactly so that would be the point where you know angel comes out to take his final bow i felt like that would have been a cool nod and that would have been just like a a cool effect to like have all the the cast members and you're like oh yeah you know they're kind of doing their their bow whatever and then you're like oh but no angel you know because angel died but then angel comes out later i would have gotten it but i guess the general audience would yeah especially you know those who you know have never seen a play or something like that may not get it they they don't understand the dynamics and and like Mm -hmm. what typically happens yeah and there might even be people who don't know that rent was based on a play Oh yeah, that's true. They might think like, why do they like teleport to the stage all of a sudden? What is this? <laughs> but yeah, 
that's that's pretty much it so that's a wrap folks thanks for sticking with us this has been affliction autos podcast episode five rent if you made it this far in the podcast then you won't have to pay rent for a year all right you know screw that you won't have to pay rent ever again and if Can they that come, be a real thing if they come asking just tell them that you just don't want to pay anymore that's it man i wish <laughs> Yeah, that awesome. was that easy. I know. I'm like, I'm like, I just stopped paying my mortgage, and they're like, "Hey, what's up?" You know, you I need just, to get out. Nope, I'm just not going to pay anymore. We're not going to. We're not going to pay last year's mortgage. We're not going to pay this year's mortgage, and we're, gonna we're not going to pay next year's mortgage. Just tell them that. <laughs> mortgage, 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 mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. You know, I, I had a blast talking about Rent, and I I, just, I know it's I, always fun talking about Rent. I love that. It's a great movie. movie. Play. It's a great play, great movie, and great songs. Yeah, great I'll, story. I'll still be listening to the songs after this podcast. Of course. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll see y'all next time. La vie bohème. Woo! <laughs> I, I noticed you did uh, you did uh, quite a bit of research on it. I noticed that we...